0: The reading is taken from Luke chapter 13, which you will find on page 1046 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 13, beginning to read at verse 18. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took, and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough.
1: Thanks, Dave. Tiny little reading, and yet two great stories that we're going to think about together. Um, But I want to start tonight with a little cultural survey. You've got um, 30 seconds. What I want to know is the best city in Europe. The best city in Europe. That's what I want to know. So 30 seconds. Turn to a neighbour. Imagine you've got a weekend break, not necessarily with your neighbour. That might just be awkward. But what city in Europe do you want to go to? Go. Okay, time's up. Sounds like you could chat all night about that. I've thrown out some answers. Where do you want to go? Florence. Good choice. Where? Budapest. Budapest. Birmingham. Copenhagen. <laughs> I genuinely thought you said Birmingham. No. Uh, sorry? Paris. Vienna. Barcelona, well done. So when I said it was sort of a survey, it was actually more of a quiz because there is a right answer. Everyone knows Barcelona is the best city in Europe. Who's been to Barcelona? Hands up. Okay, what is the best thing in Barcelona? The cathedral, thank you. Gaudi's Cathedral. I love that place. In fact, back in my engineering days, there's a pharmaceutical company in Barcelona and um, my job was to sell engineering contracts. And so I used to go to this pharmaceutical company in Barcelona. I never sold them a sausage, but every time I went, I just wanted to see how Gaudi's Cathedral was getting on, because it's still not finished yet. He started it in 1882, and 136 years later, it's still not finished. Have a watch. Barcelona now, don't you? It is, um, it is stunning, but I never realized this. I was reading up on the Sagrada Familia this week, and apparently the, the original plan was to build a fairly standard church on the site. The original architect um, drew up plans, they dug out the crypt for the church of his plans, and then I couldn't work out why, but for some reason the architect threw his toys out the pram, he resigned, and everything changed, because they appointed a different architect It was going to be a normal church, 10 or 20 years to build. No one was expecting what would happen when Gaudi took over. Now, why am I telling you about Barcelona? I do love Barcelona. But in some ways, I think the Sagrada Familia and all that's going on there captures the sense of what was going on in Luke 13. Because as we get to Luke 13, we're more than three-quarters of the way through Jesus' ministry, He's heading towards Jerusalem. We're approaching the climax, and people, the crowds around him, they've started to work out that he's someone special. In fact, whisper it quietly, but could he be? Is this really the Messiah? How long the Jewish nation had waited, clinging to the prophecies of old. Isaiah had said of the Messiah, Isaiah chapter 9, That was Isaiah. King David, he had prophesied, Psalm 2, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle. See, these are prophecies about the Messiah and you get the picture. The Messiah is going to win. He will defeat the enemies of God and he will reign in power and bring in peace. That's what they were waiting for. And the whispers started to circulate. Could could this Jesus? Could could he be the one? But as they asked those questions, you you get the thoughts that were going through their mind. They're starting to doubt. Because last week, we just had this wonderful healing miracle in a synagogue Pharisees humiliated again as Jesus shows up, their hypocrisy, and, and the crowds were loving it. But is that it? Where's the kingdom? The Romans are still in charge here. And this Jesus, he, he doesn't seem to be building an army for battle. Where's this all heading? It's just a miracle. And actually, we get that. We get the questions they were asking. As you look at Christian faith, as we sing songs of praise to our great God about how he rules and he reigns and yet we're surrounded by the mess of a broken world as you you look on at the, the synagogue healing this woman bent double for 18 years and Jesus heals her and you're left thinking well Jesus what about me? what about my mess? where's this kingdom that you're promising? it's into that context Jesus speaks these two little parables we've got three brief headings as uh, we look at them together we have got small surprising beginnings hidden gradual growth and then a glorious and global conclusion so we're going to look at the first parable I've called the first parable small surprising beginnings follow with me from verse 18 then Jesus asked what is the kingdom of God like What, what shall I compare it to it's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Now that first word of verse 18, the little then that we have there, I find it helpful to realize that then is actually more of a therefore. It's a word that forces you to look at what came before and and suggests as a link. It ties these parables with the healing of the crippled woman. You see, Jesus is saying here, you need to rightly understand this miracle. So so let me tell you a parable. Let me use a metaphor that will help you understand. And he picks a mustard seed. Tiny little mustard seed. Here's Here's a mustard seed. Don't think acorn or conker. They grow trees too. But this is the mustard seed. Tiny. And Jesus is saying, this is what this is. This, this healing miracle is a mustard seed. Woman bent double for 18 years, now standing straight and praising God. It's a mustard seed. It's just the beginning. If you were here last Sunday, you'll have heard me describe it as um, a snowdrop breaking up through the frosty winter ground. Quite appropriate for today. C.S. Lewis uh, uses his imagery brilliantly in his Narnia series, the eternal winter being broken as spring starts to break in. And it starts here in these miracles. These are just tiny glimpses of the kingdom, small beginnings. And actually, I never noticed this, but it's a surprising place to start because the Old Testament, in quite a few places, speaks of the kingdom of God in tree terms. But have a listen to the language that's used. So uh, Psalm 104, the trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds, the birds make their nest. The stalk has its home in the junipers. Or Ezekiel 17, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I'll break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel I'll plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They'll find shelter in the shade of its branches. Man, you hear those two Old Testament quotes. You can't miss the parallels. There's a clear link. But what's the difference? we we'll are allowed to answer here. What's the difference? Mustard seed. What's the tree here? Cedar tree. Both times, cedar tree. And now, don't overread it, but I think we're meant to be surprised. No one has spoken of a mustard tree. In the metaphorical world of God's kingdom as a tree, we are expecting a cedar tree. But Jesus says, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Do you see, this is, Small, surprising beginnings. It's not what we're expecting. The kingdom of God is not what we're expecting. And then notice hidden gradual growth. Jesus' second parable, verse 20, again he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 30 kilograms of flour and worked it all through the dough. Now, again, there's a surprise here because yeast in the Bible... Normally, yeast is a bad thing. Mark chapter 8, Jesus warns his disciples, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Bad thing. Galatians 5, Paul says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of the dough. And there he's warning about false teachings spreading through churches. They're both warnings. They're, They're warnings we must hear. Churches very easily gradually slide from the truth. We've got to remember that. But actually here, yeast is being used positively. Jesus is taking an everyday image of bread making and he's using it to help us understand the kingdom of God and how it grows. Remember, the context is one little miracle and we're asking, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? And Jesus says, think about dough. Think about making bread. Any bread makers here? Help me out. Come on, some of you must have made bread. Matthew Kitson, you must have made bread. Yes, brilliant. See, when you make bread, I like making bread, um, you, you get your bread, you, 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 pour, you pour your yeast into your flour, and make your dough, and, and you stretch it out, you do your sort of kneading thing. And then you do the funniest thing. You, you take your dough, and you pop it in a bowl, put a tea towel on top, and you, you just stick it, in my, in my case, in the airing cupboard for an hour or so. You just leave it in a warm place and you walk away. You do nothing to it, but you come back an hour later and it's doubled in size or tripled in size if you've left it too long. That's a bad thing. Paul Hollywood wouldn't approve of that. You see, it's been hidden away under this tea towel, tucked away in the airing cupboard, and all on its own, it's grown. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Do you get the image? It's hidden, gradual change. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that yeast. You might have heard the story of Michael Carmichael. I love this man. He's an American man. He's a decorator. And one day, um, Michael Carmichael dropped a baseball into a tin of paint. I've no idea what the baseball was doing, near the in the paint. But anyway, as he fished it out, he had a baseball covered in paint. And goodness knows why, but he looked at it and thought, you know what, that might become a thing. And so he bought a brand new baseball. And he got his son to paint his baseball with a coat of paint. And together they decided that they were going to put at least one coat of paint on that baseball every day. The only other rule was that every coat of paint had to be a different colour to the previous coat of paint. So it was changing colour the whole time. Michael would paint it every day when he got home. His wife and his kids, they got into it. They would paint it during the day. They were the baseball painting family. Here is the 1500th coat of paint going on the baseball. Getting big, but they kept going. Here is the 13,300th coat of paint going on the baseball. But they didn't stop. For over 40 years, Michael and his family, they've been painting this baseball. It is now, it's a museum of its own in America. <laughs> the world's largest ball of paint. It's still there, you can go and visit it today. People pay to come and paint the baseball. This is the uh, this is the latest photo I could find. 24,700 coats of paint and counting. Do you get, each coat is microscopically thin tiny layer of paint on tiny layer of paint but now this baseball its circumference is nearly five meters it weighs over two and a half tons hidden gradual growth that's the picture here where's this kingdom Jesus where is it doesn't look very impressive just a little snowdrop over there one healing miracle And yet every knee that bows to Jesus Christ as Lord. Every time a sinner repents and joyfully accepts forgiveness that Jesus brings, the kingdom grows. July the 31st, 1984. That was me. One little coat of paint. But the kingdom was growing. Woman bent double for 18 years. Excruciating pain. Jesus heals her. And she praises God. That—that that is one more coat of paint. One more sinner giving praise to their Creator. And the kingdom is being built. Makes you want to press on, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Easy to get disheartened. The crowds around Jesus found it very easy to get disheartened. Well, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. And actually, again, there's another surprise we need to, to notice here in the parable. A bread makers, Matthew Kitson, how much flour would you put into a loaf of bread? About a pound. You're quite old school, aren't you? 500 grams, thank you, 500 grams, okay. 500 grams, Matthew's loaf, a uh, Jesus' loaf, 30 kilograms of flour. We're meant to notice that. What are we meant to do with that? Why, why that detail? It's like the mustard seed that's not a cedar tree. We're meant to be surprised. It's not what they're expecting. You see, the Jewish people, they were thinking about Jerusalem, they were thinking about Israel. God, come and restore your kingdom here. Go and make Jerusalem a great capital in the world again. But that is a 500 kilogram loaf of bread. That's king's meal, not kingdom. I was pleased with that. <laughs> Jesus' life, 30 kilograms. Because he's not talking about Jerusalem. He's not talking about Israel. Do you hear what we're meant to be picturing here? It's 30 kilograms. It's the whole world that he's talking about. That's the point of that detail. He's saying God's kingdom will eventually permeate across the whole world. Yes, this, this little healing miracle. It's a small thing. Just a little snowdrop. Not a massive revolution. Just, just one life being changed. But snowdrops, they spread. And soon this this one little snowdrop, gradual hidden growth. But, but it, it will become a, a carpet of snowdrops. That's what snowdrops do. Uh, and they'll spread further than we can ever imagine. That's one of the joys. When you read through the book of Acts, see, Acts is written by Luke as well. Luke finishes his gospel, and as he starts to write Acts, he cares about the numbers. He cares that the church is growing. We tell ourselves, well, it's, you know, it's not about bums on seats. It's not all about the numbers. But isn't it? Not, not bums on seats, perhaps, but knees being bowed to the king. Surely it is about that. That's how this kingdom grows. It, it grows one life at a time. Hidden, gradual growth. Let's finish with the um, final heading. A glorious and global conclusion. And there's something here I've missed out. It's an important detail. I hope you're getting ready at the end to come and and tell me off because I've missed it out. What what have I missed out in these two parables? Actually, I'm nervous asking that. You might spot anything. (laughs) What have I walked past? The birds. The birds. Verse 19. Jesus says, It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Why are the birds there? The details matter. You heard the birds again when I read from Psalm 104 and Ezekiel 17. Birds, but birds of every kind, says Ezekiel, coming to rest to make their nest in the tree that is God's kingdom. That's a lovely picture because it's the moment where the kingdom becomes personal. The tree is God's kingdom. See, I used to think... The tree was speaking about my own personal faith. Starts small but grows to be a strong tree. That's how I read it. Jesus speaks elsewhere of a faith like a mustard seed. And I think I've sort of blended together those two pictures. But the tree here is God's kingdom. But the birds, birds of every kind, do you see that now you and I are, are in view here? They come and perch. They rest. They nest in the tree. The tree is the place of safety, of shelter. And they're birds of every kind. They're not Jewish birds, not just Jewish birds, whatever a Jewish bird would look like. But you you get the imagery. It's not just a kingdom for the Jews. This is a 30 kilogram kingdom, it's bigger than we imagined. This is a mustard seed kingdom, not the cedar tree that we were expecting. Allow God's kingdom to surprise you. Actually, that's why we run Christianity Explored. Matt mentioned it earlier. So many people, it's tragic really. They, they, they think they know what the Christian message is. They think they know what this kingdom is like, a kingdom of rules, a kingdom where you've got to be good. But they've missed the surprise. They've missed its beauty. If that's you, come on Tuesday night. Come and be surprised. This parable is urging each one of us, come and find rest in the kingdom. All the labors and struggles of this world, all all your hardships and brokenness, come and rest in this tree. Find safety. Find security. You see, the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, it was was just going to be another ordinary church, built in 10 or 20 years, nothing to write home about. But Gaudi had other plans. In fact, God had other plans. Gaudi's deep Christian faith meant he was determined to build something which captured, in as best a way as uh, he was able, it was only ever going to be a pale imitation. But he wanted to capture the glory, the beauty, the scale of God's kingdom. And so he set to work. And as you stand and, and look at the Sagrada Familia, it is utterly breathtaking Spoiler alert, but here's a photo from inside the basilica. Is that not one of the most stunning things you will ever see? But do you get, it's just a glimpse of the kingdom. Small, surprising beginnings, hidden, gradual growth. But it leads to a glorious and a global conclusion. Someone ask Audi about just how long it was going to take to build this cathedral. I loved his answer. He simply said, my client is not in a hurry. Jesus, where is this kingdom? Just one small miracle. Jesus, where is this kingdom? Singing praise songs, but with brokenness all around us. Where is your kingdom? Jesus says, it is coming. One snowdrop at a time. One coat of paint at a time. One repentant sinner at a time. It is coming. So be patient. Be faithful. And come and find rest. Come and find shelter and security in this glorious tree. Why don't we pray that we would do just that? God, our Father, we we need your help. Uh, We know we we get this wrong. We are people full of preconceptions and uh, we want to see truth. We want to understand clearly. So we thank you for your son, for his words, his revelation. Thank you that he challenges our preconceptions. Please, Father, help us As we look at this world in all its brokenness, as we look at our our lives in all their failings, please help us look at them through eyes of faith, through eyes that believe the kingdom is coming. Your son died, he rose from the grave, he defeated death, and you are bringing all things under his feet, under his reign. We don't see that yet, but you promise it will come. And we pray that on that day, they, when fully and finally, all of His creation is rightly worshiping Him. That we will be people who have gladly bowed the knee and worshipped Him as King. Please do this for His glory. Amen. Amen. Let me invite the uh, music.